Yeah? All right, but this is the second time I've gotten to give my life story. Um, we, did it, we did this series four years ago, so the only people that would have been here for that are the seniors that just graduated. And I think most of them were gone on some trip. I think that was like the first year we did Houston. Maybe it was um, New York or something like that. Um, but I was reading through my old notes um, from when I did this four years ago, and the first thing that I had written on there let me, let me just read it for you. This is a quote. Before I move on, I just want to clear something up. I'm not married. I say this because several of you have congratulated me on getting married. Now, this was four years ago. I was not married four years ago. My brother, however, was. He had just gotten married, and his wedding pictures were circulating on social media. I even had one kid come up and argue with me that I was married after I informed him that I, in fact, was not. Um, so yeah, that argument went on for about five minutes, so I apparently had to clarify to everyone that I was not in fact married at that point. But now I am married to my lovely wife, Kara. Um, oh yeah. So the wedding picture on y'all's left, I find it hilarious because everyone thinks it's this really sweet moment, um, but we had taken about 200 pictures at that point. I am not a picture person. I was exhausted, she was exhausted. So that is a look of pure exhaustion and being done with pictures, but it came out to be this really sweet-looking wedding photo that everyone likes. Um, but Kara and I know the story behind it, so we always kind of laugh whenever someone comments about it. Um, and then um, that's us in Port A. So Kara and I have been married for about two and a half years. This is us at, is that senior prom? Senior prom, cool, I got it right. Um, so we started dating in college. Um, Let's see, so here's some baby pictures of me. Um, due, due to some events in my life, we don't have just a ton of pictures, um, which I'll tell you about that later. So it kind of goes like baby middle school. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what was up with this. I'm assuming that my mom left us alone and we found chocolate or something. Um, but my brother just looks insanely guilty in that photo. Um, and I look like I'm having to tie my life with a bunch of chocolate. So um, let's see. There's the rest of my family. Um, my mom in the middle and my dad over there. Um, and in the top one, you get to see some of the critters that we grew up with. Um, my two dogs and one of our cats. But anyway, Robert, I'll let you take over the slides at this point. Um, so jumping into it, if you don't know me, my name's Caleb. I'm 27 years old. And I grew up right here in Central Texas over in Moody and went to CTCS um, all of my life. Graduated from UMHB with a bachelor's in business com computer information systems. That is a tongue twister. So my parents own Freezing Point, um, which is where I've worked um, at least part-time since I was 14 years old. Um, which if y'all have ever wondered why ice cream randomly shows up here, that's why. So. Um, and now I work at in-house systems doing their IT, and I hope to go into full-time youth ministry one day. So the first word that I picked is selfish. I grew up in a Christian home, and I accepted Christ at a pretty young age of around five or six. Um, I remember the story pretty well. We're sitting in church, and the pastor's talking about how you never know when it's going to be your last chance to accept Christ. And as a little five, six-year-old, that kind of scared me. He specifically mentioned getting in a car crash, which that really scared me for some reason. Um, so little five, six-year-old me is sitting there going, 
I know who God is, I know I need God, and I think I had a basic understanding of what sin was, but I don't think I had everything connected together. So I knew who Jesus was and that he died for my sins, but I didn't know what that personal relationship was with him. So for the next eight years of my life, I went around wearing the title of Christian, but it was never real in my life. I may have adopted the mindset and the morals of a Christian, but I just did not have that relationship with God. So basically, I was living for myself while I claimed that I was living for Christ. And while I was still fairly young, my mom became completely paralyzed on her left side, and she was like that for an entire year. At that point, we had no clue what caused it. Um, but after a year of being paralyzed, she was, um, I still claim to this day, miraculously healed. Um, but her ailments didn't really stop there. She continued being in and out of the hospital um, throughout most of my time in middle school and high school. Um, so that caused my brother and I to have to grow up really quickly. We'd have to do things around the house and take care of our mom, which isn't normal for a fourth grader. So anyway, um, moving on to sixth grade. My school, CTCS, decided to do this thing called the sixth grade retreat. Um, so my class was, one of the first one, was the first one to get to go, and basically, we take a week off of school and go to camp, and we get to serve the camp. Um, but there's also times of worship, teaching, and it was an awesome camp. And it was during that, that camp that I rededicated my life to Christ. I had realized that I wasn't living for him. I was living for me. And it was during that time that I, that I realized that, and I wanted that to change. I wanted God to be Lord of my life, not me. So, like I said, I may have gone to church and done all the good Christian things, but that was only because it was expected of me, not because I had surrendered my life to Christ. In my mind, it was almost as if I had to do all these things, like read my Bible and pray in order to earn my way into heaven. Now, I don't know that I ever would have said that out loud, but that's the way I lived. That's the way my life was. And scripture is abundantly clear that that's not how it works. That we can't do anything to earn our way into heaven. It's not about us. It's about what Jesus did for us there on the cross. So in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. And Galatians 2, 16 says, and yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, that was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. So I think I knew in the back of my head that there was nothing I could do to earn Christ's favor, but I still tried anyway. But it was at this retreat that I rededicated my life and began to let him be Lord of my life. So the second word I chose was doubt. Shortly after this, I became highly involved in the church that I um, grew up at for most of my life. Um, and a large part of that was actually because of Kara, my wife's parents. Um, they ran the preteen department, and um, if I missed a Sunday, they would be texting me, being like, hey, where are you at? So they were really involved in making sure that I got involved. And then my youth pastor, Casey, was also awesome in getting me involved as well. Um, 
but more on that later. So started getting involved in church, and I wish I could say everything was great from there, um, but it wasn't. So in seventh grade, I started having a lot of different health problems. Um, the doctors still don't entirely know what caused it, um, but I would have these weird episodes where all my energy got zapped, I would turn pale white, start shaking uncontrollably, and they just could not figure it out. They thought it was blood sugar, heart problems, and all this fun stuff, but they never could figure it out. Eventually, they landed on high blood pressure, but they couldn't figure out what caused it. Um, so, which as a seventh grader, that's kind of terrifying to all of a sudden be sitting there and your energy's just zapped. You don't know what's going on. You're shaking uncontrollably, and there's not really anything that they found that they could do for it. So fast forward to my sophomore year in high school. We found out that our house was infested with mold. Um, and my mom was deathly allergic to it. Um, so we eventually found out that the house was part of all of our health problems. Um, and this inspector came in and said, you have 24 hours, get out. Anything that cannot be thrown in a washer with bleach, leave it. If you can't wipe it down with bleach, leave it. So most of our possessions were left inside this house, and within 24 hours, we had to move out. And this was devastating, because all of a sudden, all of our physical possessions were just gone. And if we tried to use anything, so like if I went back to the house and grabbed something, because it was still unlocked, I could, it would put my mom in danger. Because um, one time after we had closed down the house, she went in there for 10 minutes and ended up in the hospital the next day. So that's how bad this was. Um, and then a few months, months later, those health problems I was telling you about started landing me in the ER about every month. And I'm not telling you all this to gain sympathy, but I'm telling you because it started to cause a lot of doubts in my life. All these little things added up and started making me question God's goodness. Was he there? Was he with me? Did he care about me? I think deep down I knew that God was still good, but I didn't understand why he could allow all of these things to happen. And in a lot of ways, I still don't necessarily understand why some of those things happen, but that's okay. But it was during these times that I clung to verses like Matthew 6, 26 through 34. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? There's a lot more to it, but we're short on time, so I'm going to skip the rest of it. Um, so although I had doubts, this verse constantly reminded me of God's care. Because look at how he cares for the birds of the air. Doesn't he care for you so much more? And although at the time, I had a really hard time seeing God's faithfulness, looking back, I can see how he was there with us every single step of the way. That house that we had to leave everything inside and tear down, that was the source of my mom's sickness. For the most part, she is so much better today than she was back then. The uncle that I had lost five years prior, his house was now sitting there waiting for us to move in. So God instantly provided a place for us to live. He provided a way for us to rebuild that house so we did have a permanent place to live. 
And I didn't find this out until much, much later, but a younger student in the youth group that I was in, she was also struggling with a lot of health problems. And she came up to me um, later on. She was like, you know, I never told you this, but just seeing how you walked with God through, that, through those trials, which to me, I didn't think I was doing at all. But she said that helped me so much be able to focus on him. It's crazy the impact that can happen in someone else's lives when you don't even know it. But anyway, God was faithful through it all. But this concept of, of doubt, so often within the church, it is given such a negative connotation that we are afraid of admitting that we have doubts because it's seen as almost shameful. So I was scared to admit these doubts that I had about God, and I didn't really know who to turn to ask about them. And I don't, sorry, but doubting in and of itself is not bad, or necessarily bad or sinful. Now, it can lead to bad things and sinful things if left unchecked. But doubting in itself, within itself, is not sinful. And I don't pretend to know everything about God or understand everything about God. In fact, I'm glad I don't. Because that means God is so much bigger than I am, so much stronger, so much more powerful than I can even begin to comprehend. So it is totally okay with me if I do not understand every little thing about God or his scripture because he's that much bigger than me. Isaiah 58, 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So it's okay if we don't understand everything. And doubts are probably going to arise in your faith. But doubts aren't that bad, but rather what we do with them can become sinful. If we use those doubts and questioning as motivation to dive deeper and deeper into Scripture and start searching for those answers that we're so desperately looking for, that leads us to further and further into trusting God in prayer, there's obviously nothing sinful or shameful about that. And again, as leaders, we don't know everything. We will not claim to know everything. But we've probably walked through a lot of those same doubts that you're going through. So I would encourage y'all, don't go through it alone. Ask a leader. They would be so excited to get to dig in to some of those questions that you have and hopefully find your answers. And if one of us doesn't know the answer, we'll go ask someone else, help you look for it. But please, don't go through it alone. So it was also during this time that I found out the importance of biblical community. While I was going through all, all these trials, my youth minister, Casey, he was awesome. And Robert, I think that's the, nope. Huh, Casey didn't get a picture. Oh, well. Um, yeah, Casey was awesome. Um, he supported me, took me under his wing, um, started mentoring me because he knew I wanted to go into youth ministry. Um, and he helped out even to the point of rebuilding our house. So he was literally there with us every single step of the way. Now, some of our outlets are kind of upside down, but that's okay. Um, so, and like I said, he really helped me even begin my path into ministry by leading me and guiding me. And I cannot begin to, to describe the importance of biblical community. 
really not even just for someone y'all's age, any age Christian, biblical community is so important. And that's why there are a lot of commands in scripture for us to continue living in biblical community. Um, I'm very short on time, so I will let y'all take notes of those verses. Um, But command after command of how and why we should live in biblical community. So for me, it was the support system that helped me cling to my faith in those, in, during those trials. Why? Because they constantly reminded me of God's goodness and pushed me back towards him, even when I didn't feel like pursuing him. So a quote from Gary, the church, the body of Christ, is much like my grandma's biscuits. The individual ingredients are fine, but they are much better when combined with, with one another. Trying to live the spiritual life alone in isolation is like downing a spoonful of flour when you can have a biscuit. Churches that choose isolation, segregation, and division are trading delicious biscuits for spoons of salt. Which I find this this quote hilarious because Kara absolutely loves my grandmother's biscuits. Um, She even had a dream one day that she forgot how to make them. Um, But anyway, I cannot describe the importance of biblical, biblical community. That is why we have all this. We don't just gather just to gather. No, there's a, there's a purpose behind it. And it's to build each other up and push each other further towards Christ. So the last word I chose is free and forgiven. Fast forward a few more years and I became an intern at the church that I grew up at. And I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought for sure I would work there for the rest of my life. Um, but... Due to a lot of issues, they ended up letting me go um, because they couldn't afford an intern anymore. And I was absolutely crushed. Um, to me, this church had been like my second home uh, and getting rejected to them by them at the time felt like getting rejected by my family. And furthermore, it felt like God was rejecting me. And looking back, that I, I realized that I got so caught up in serving God through the church that I let it replace God. And so it was not God that rejected me, but me that let something take the place of God. And we may read verses like 1 Corinthians 10, 14, which say to flee from idolatry and think, oh, I don't have a little statue of something sitting in my, in my bedroom that I worship. But we sure do let things take the place of God. Again, we may not have a statue, but there are things that we let take his place. Whether it be our phones, our friends, accomplishments, sports, maybe even our religion. And whenever that thing fails, which it will, it's going to stink. Trust me, it stunk. I was crushed. But unlike these things, God will never fail us. He will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. And as someone who's been through that pain, I would implore you, examine your life. And if there's something that, have, that has taken the place of God, repent of that and give God his proper place in your life as Lord is your life. So it was at this point that I left the church that I had grown up at. I was hurt, confused, and ready to give up my dream of be- going into youth ministry. And I spent most nights literally crying out to God. I told myself I was just going to sit back and give myself time to heal and try and grow my faith. But I guess God had other plans. 
Um, the week we came to visit TBC, um, Shannon Sword was teaching up in the main service, and um, he did an announcement asking for um, youth intern volunteers. Um, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, there's no way I'm applying for that. Um, and then immediately after the service, there goes my mom running up to meet Shannon Sword, um, telling, her, telling him how much her son would love to be a youth intern. Um, so next thing I know, I'm interviewing with Tim, and I am placed with the senior guys down here. Um, they are in fifth grade at that point. And looking back on it now, it's such a blessing. But at that point, I was hurt. I didn't want to be there, but I was. And two weeks ago, Leah said that y'all as students make more impact on us as leaders than y'all could possibly know. And that is absolutely true. Um, I didn't get to be there for the last night of discussion at Impact, but Dr. Chris told me that one of my guys had said they probably wouldn't be a Christian or involved in the church if I hadn't been there for them. But looking back, Honestly, if I'm being honest, I don't know where I would be if I hadn't gotten back involved in here. So to my guys, y'all have pushed me so hard to pursue Christ. Off the wall questions all the time that have pushed me to dive deeper and deeper into, into scripture than I'd even ever think of. So I'm forever grateful to y'all um, for helping pull me back in because week after week of telling these guys about the goodness of Christ and about how he's faithful, I eventually started to get that message and started to learn it for myself. That he has been faithful the entire time. He's been there the entire time. He will never leave you. He will never leave me. He will never forsake us. It just took me a while to get that, to get that message. So I chose and free and forgiven because Christ chose to freely forgive us, which allows us to in turn to freely worship him. And I want to pause on that phrase that we're, we're able to freely worship him. It's not like at the beginning when I was talking about how I thought I had to do all these good things in order to make it or be a good Christian. No, it's that, that we are already totally and completely loved and forgiven, and as a result, we choose to go and freely worship him because he's deserving of it. So we get the privilege of worshiping him. Not the task, but the privilege. So let's review. I lived for myself, did not trust God through trials, let other things take his place in my life. Yet despite all that, Christ freely showers grace upon me and upon you. And despite not treating him as the most important thing in my life for years, he still loves me anyway. And not only does he forgive us, but he gives us the best thing that he could possibly give us, himself, and a personal relationship with him. So, if you do not know what that means to have a personal relationship with Christ, please talk to me, to one of the other leaders. They will be overjoyed to talk to you. But I'm going to pray us out and then we'll go to discussion groups, okay? Dear God, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this time that we can come here um, and 
I pray for this time of the discussion that we will reflect on our lives. Um, and for anyone that does not know what it means to have a personal relationship with you, Lord, I pray that even now you begin working in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if y'all do not know where to go, um, you can come find me and Dave, and we will point you in the right direction.